So in just a second, I'm going to introduce... Oh, no, I will, I will introduce now. Although you don't have to come up, uh, Rob, because I'm going to read the scripture for you. But uh, Rob, who is over here with his lovely wife, is uh, here this morning to share with us. And uh, he's also going to be speaking for Piara Waters Congregation this afternoon as well. Um, and uh, Rob actually stepped in relatively last minute, so we're grateful for that. Rob is the Presbytery Minister for Mission within the Uniting Church of Western Australia. It's quite a, quite a mouthful. <laughs> Francis is excited about that. For another five, four, four months, four or five months, uh, Rob's been in the role for about two and a half years. Um, but prior to that, was a minister in the Baptist churches in, in WA and possibly outside of WA as well. No, uh, just in WA um, for a number of decades, I think. You've been a minute. Four decades. There you go. So, um, uh, and Rob has been a real blessing to many uh, churches in our movement in, w- in WA over the last two and a half years uh, and brings, as you can probably tell, a wealth of experience um, and in particular as the Presbytery Minister for Mission has been focused on helping and assisting and encouraging congregations to think about not just what a Sunday morning looks like, but think about the, the whole approach they take towards being part of God's mission in the world, um, which, of course, is you know really close to our heart. And um, although we haven't had a, a whole heap of interaction with, with Rob, um, it's been wonderful to see what he's been doing in the wider presbytery. And great to have you here today. Thank you so much, Rob. Uh, I'm going to read, first of all, um, from the... Gospel according to Luke. And uh, for a little bit of context, we started last week in Luke chapter 3 as we begin to think about the very, very beginning of Jesus' public ministry and everything that happened and how if you start at the beginning, we see everything flowed from that place where the Father spoke over him, this is my son whom I loved, with with whom I am well pleased. Um, everything else flowed out of that. Um, but the very next event after that point uh, is what we are going to be reflecting on today. So let's read from Luke chapter 4. And if you remember last week, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. Uh, we will still often have it on the, on the screen, but I want to encourage you to bring your Bible or open it up on your phone or your iPad or whatever, whatever it is, just because I think it helps with engagement around the Scripture. Um, um, that being said, I'm going to read from the screen. <laughs> So this is often titled, Jesus is Tested in the Wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. 
They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the word you've put on Rob's heart to share with us this morning. We pray you'd uh, empower him to speak and deliver this message with clarity, with confidence, and that you would open our hearts. You would open the eyes of our hearts, the ears of our hearts to receive what you want to say to us personally, directly. Maybe to challenge us, maybe to comfort us, maybe to encourage us. We open ourselves to you, Lord, and submit ourselves to you as your disciples, wanting to become more and more like you each day. We thank you for this time we have together to reflect. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This year, just to let you know um, that we're um, travelling around a fair bit. Uh, getting out to churches. One of the things we're doing is we're calling listening journeys. So there's a group, myself, and normally one person from Thrive Mission Committee and one person from uh, uh, Pastoral Relations Committee. We go out to congregations and we sit for for an hour. We're usually the church council or a few others, and we ask them, "What are the you know? Paint a picture of your church. Tell us about your challenges. Tell us about your dreams." And, uh, and a few questions like that. We get a picture of what the church looks like and uh, it's just helping us as a presbytery to get a, a broader picture of um, the congregations and, uh, and what's happening. It's really exciting. It's, uh, uh, Luke's been to one and uh, it's just great to be able to go and hear these stories of what's happening in the churches. We hear the, the, the problems, the tough things that are happening, but we also hear some, some great stories of things that are uh, really good things that are happening. The other thing that I'm doing is that I've developed a workshop on uh, disciple making. It's only a two-hour workshop because it's a bit of a taster to people because I'm discovering that a lot of people hadn't really um, caught on to what disciple what discipleship is all about. So I'm doing that as I travel around as well and uh, thoroughly enjoying that. I had to make a confession to our minister we attended, Kalamunda. I said, we haven't been around for a long time. Um, we were at Geraldton. I think two weeks ago, then Margaret River last week, here this week, Spearwood next week, Albany the week after, I think, so we're not around very much uh, where we normally are. Did you know that Australia is one of the most dangerous places in the world to live? We've got uh, some of the world's most venomous snakes here in Australia. We've got tiger snakes and we've got tiger sharks. We've got uh, crocodiles and we've got redback spiders and funnel web spiders and uh, box jellyfish and centipedes, all sorts of creatures that uh, eat and bite and, uh, and snap. But did you know that Australia is also the home of uh, the highest number of carnivorous plants in the world? There are more than 250 species of carnivorous plants. Some uh, pictures there, have a look through. I think we've got three pictures, we can have a look at those. These plants uh, are beautiful. They're, they look fantastic. They're covered in uh, sticky nectar that attracts the insects. I think the insects like the colour as well. Uh, they're really, really attractive. And the insects arrive, and when they get stuck, uh, they start to struggle. And as they struggle, it stimulates um, the digestive enzymes 
similar to stomach acid. Uh, it either drowns the insect or it just gives up the fight after a while. And this uh, stomach acid, if you like, starts to dissolve the prey and uh, the plant reaps the nutrients. These plants are experts in temptation because they've got everything that they need to attract the insects to them. They look good. They, uh, they've got this fantastic smell about them. And uh, the insects are attracted to these plants and they never learn their lesson. Does that sound familiar? On a regular basis, we pray the Lord's Prayer. It was a prayer that Jesus shared with his disciples, concludes with the words, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You've said that many times, I'm sure. Like those carnivorous plants, or like the insects that go to the carnivorous plants, we are drawn to many of these things that are so attractive. You know what that sticky plant is for you. As Jesus prayed this prayer, he taught the disciples to, uh, to pray. I'm sure that as he did that, he was thinking back to his own temptations that he had at the beginning of his ministry that we just heard about. So we're continuing a theme of becoming. I believe that Luke has started. Was that last week you started or a couple of weeks ago? Um, and so today, as we work through that theme, we come to this uh, idea of becoming steadfast or resolute in the face of temptation. So we're apprentices to Jesus. That's what uh, the word disciple means, basically. We're apprentices. We're out there on the job learning how to follow Jesus. And uh, we're also apprentice makers because Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples. So that's our job. We are apprentices, but we're also apprentice makers. And temptation is something we need to deal with. And we also need to help others with that. There are some incredible themes that appear right throughout Scripture. I believe it's important that we just look at some of those themes. But today we're going to look at the, uh, the headings of appetite, approval and ambition. But we need to go back, right back to the beginning of the Bible. If we go right back, well, I'm going to walk across here because I think it's important to get that picture of the length of the Bible. It's a big book. We're not quite get it. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, right at the very beginning, Eve was tempted and she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. There it is, good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for wisdom. And so she gave some to her hubby who was with her and he ate it. There it is, appetite, approval and ambition. So we were at the beginning of the Bible. Now let's go to the end of the Bible, right to the very end for First John. And over there it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, with a P-R-I-D-E, there it is again. Appetite, approval and ambition. It's there at the beginning of the Bible. It's there at the end of the Bible. Eve was tempted with the temptations of appetite, approval, and ambition. John warned us about the same three things. And surprise, surprise, Jesus was faced with it too. And guess what? We all face those same three things. 
And we're going to work our way through that today. So let's have a look at these three temptations that Jesus experienced and see if we can learn what it means and how to stand firm as disciples or apprentices to Jesus. At the beginning of ministry, Luke 4, we just heard Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. So this temptation represents our physical appetites, the temptation of self-preservation. In his hunger, even Jesus was tempted by the need for food. He was hungry. He was famished. And today that physical appetite has led to epidemics, an epidemic in obesity. There's a huge appetite for chemical stimulants, alcohol and other drugs, both legal and illegal. There's a huge appetite for sexual stimulus. And our cravings for these things is stirred by the media, social media and so on, many different ways. And we can see the results of it in the society in which we live. Appetite, approval and ambition. We've looked at how Eve faced these at the beginning of the scriptures. We looked at how John, what he had to say about them at the end of them. Now let's go and see what Paul had to say in uh, Romans chapter 12. Can you start to see we're starting to develop a pattern that runs right throughout the scriptures, right from the beginning, right to the end. And what did Paul say uh, in chapter 12, verse 1? He said, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul told the Roman Christians to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So just as Jesus used scripture to deal with temptation, so we can too. And uh, as we come to Romans 12.1, we discover that caring for our body and recognising our body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul, that's a reasonable service. It's, it's reasonable for you to consider that your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives there. It's the place where he lives. Temptation two. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So this is the temptation of approval, instant acclaim or self-elevation. For Jesus, it would mean denying his sonship for the sake of a quick fix miracle. How often do we long for that quick fix miracle, that instant acclaim, those things that make us feel good in an instant? We're attracted to clothes and money and entertainment, position, and social media tells us that we need those likes. Once again, we have scripture to help us with that temptation. And verse 2 of Romans 12, goodness me, isn't it fascinating? There's a, there's a pattern in the scriptures. Verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Renewing our mind means thinking differently to what society is telling us, allowing the Spirit of God to create new thoughts, new goals, new ways of thinking about how we live. Renewing your mind probably means you need to look at some of the algorithms that are managing you and guiding you in your use of social media to say, hmm, I need to think differently and not just be led what everybody says that I need to do. Temptation three. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here we have the temptation for ambition, for recognition, praise, power, self-sufficiency, to make ourselves something that we're not. That's all around us as well, isn't it? We need to be noticed. We're part of the me generation. The focus is on me and my needs. And of course, when we don't have that, when for some reason that focus is not on me and my needs and I can't meet the expectations of people around me, I fall down into depression and anxiety because somehow I can't do what I think I should be doing. So our focus is on me and my needs, not on other people and their needs. And much of the advertising that we see is focused on looking after me. The self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry that fits uh, bookshelves and conference rooms, and many people have been helped by it. But the temptation for the pride of life can be overwhelming at times. And Paul's instruction, let's go to verse 3 of Romans 12 now, he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Or some translations say, measure yourself by the amount of faith that God has given you. You often hear about things that happen in society where companies or something do something wrong. They say what we need is some sort of independent arbiter to come in. That's what this is saying. It's saying you need an independent measuring tool. Instead of measuring yourself by society, here's your measuring tool. Measure yourself by the amount of faith that God has given you. So let's just look at this pattern for a minute. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had to deal with the temptations of appetite, approval and ambition. And at the end of the Bible, we read from John, and John said, you need to look at those same things again. He warned about those same things. Jesus faced them all, and I think we can see today that we all face some aspect of each of those three things. But we also see that in Romans 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, addresses each of those three things. There's an instruction about each of these three sticky plants that draw us to themselves and slowly sucks the life out of us. If we can get a document 
that was written over 1,500 years by about 40 different people, hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And they can produce a pattern like that from beginning to end. I reckon that document is worth looking at, the Holy Scriptures. Let me conclude with three important points. The first one is when Jesus was tempted, he called on Scripture. Look, there may be some temptations, some issues that we face, and we really need help. We might need to sit down with a friend over a coffee. We might need to go to a counsellor. We might need to join a self-help group. All of those things have their value. But I want to say start with Scripture. Read it, meditate on it, and allow Scriptures to seep into your being. If you're drinking too much, you're looking at porn, you're finding you too dependent on prescription drugs, have a look at Romans 12.1 and meditate on what it means when it says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're spending too much time on Instagram or Facebook and you're being influenced by those algorithms and you can't get a broad view, a range of opinions on all sorts of things, Romans 12.2 says we should tell the tempter that your mind is in the process of being transformed every day. Is your mind being transformed every day? Or does your mind just follow the patterns of the world? And if your work-life balance is out of kilter, maybe you need to look at Romans 12.3 and ask yourself, who am I measuring myself by? How do I make a measurement of myself? Second thing, so the first thing goes, go to scripture. Second thing is work on addressing one temptation at a time. When we look at this passage in Luke, Jesus dealt with one thing at a time. He didn't wait until uh, he was overwhelmed by Satan. He dealt with one thing at a time. I think we need to do that. Uh, sometimes we can be overwhelmed by issues that we think we can't fix and we just can't deal with them at all. So I want to suggest just find those little things that you can Start with a little thing and work your way up because when you have the confidence to deal with something, then you've got the confidence to go on to something else. Just deal with one thing at a time. And the third thing I want to say is this. Remember that Jesus has been there before you. Later on in his life, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, not long before he was arrested and put to trial. We saw there that Jesus' soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And there in that garden, he fell on his face to the ground. And he said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, the perfect son of God, stands with us. And he prays, Father, I don't want to go through this. This is hurting too much. I don't want to face it. But your will be done. We'll face many trials, many kinds of trials. And there may be times when the pressure seems too great. There'll be times when we want to give in to the temptations of the evil one because they're so attractive. It feels like everything and everyone, including God perhaps, is against us. And life just isn't fair. But Jesus 
faced both temptations and trials. And he stands with us and prays with us to his Father and our Father, to his God and our God. Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Life seems too hard right now. I can't cope anymore. But then he says, but not your will, not my will, but yours. And when Jesus prayed that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, that we talked about earlier, he began by praying, our Father. Jesus has invited us into his prayer life to call his Father, our Father. It's a very intimate prayer, isn't it? Because we stand with Jesus And as we stand with him together, we pray to his father as our father. And in that place of intimacy, we pray that the kingdom of God may be evident on earth in the same way as it's evident in heaven. That we join join with Jesus in colonizing the earth with the habits of heaven. But we also pray with Jesus that we may know his presence with us and his care for us as we go through those dark places where there is temptation and fear and suffering. In this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we see Jesus standing alongside us and appealing to God the Father on our behalf, welcoming, welcoming us into his prayer life. And he weeps with us as we together pray, Father, lead us not into temptations and trials, but deliver us from the frightening grip of the evil one. I pray for you. Gracious God, as we just think about those little plants that attract the insects in, we know what it's like. We've been there. We've been attracted by all sorts of things and sometimes it feels like the more we wiggle, the harder it gets, the deeper it goes. I want to thank you that Jesus was there in that garden, in that place, that desert place, and he experienced temptation. He's experienced trial and, and, and all sorts of difficulty. And he's invited us into that intimate place of praying our Father. Gracious God, this morning, if anyone here is struggling with a temptation of any sort, they know what it is, and they're just going to mention that to you right now. That they may have that assurance of the presence of God, the hope of Jesus being there with them, and enabling them to deal with those things, to have the knowledge that the scripture is there as a something that's trustworthy, something that's been there for so long, and there's, there's, a, there's a pattern there, there's a trustworthiness in scripture that helps us to, to find hope and help. Father, help us to deal with each individual thing that comes, to find the little things that we can start with just to call you in to help us to deal with and we'll get the confidence to to become better at dealing with temptation. Gracious God, 
I want to pray for each person here this morning. You know what it is when they see that that beautiful flower and it just seems so attractive. I pray that each one may know the strength of Jesus to help them to deal with that and find hope and purpose in life to become apprentices who are learning to be more like Jesus every day. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.